Chapter Thirteen of A Yankee Girl at Fort Sumter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathy Barrett. A Yankee Girl at Fort Sumter by Alice Turner Curtis. Chapter Thirteen. A Happy Afternoon. Grace was the first to arrive, and she declared that she wished that she was in Sylvia's place and need not go to school another day. The two little friends stood at the window watching for Flora, and it was not long before they saw her coming up the walk, closely followed by her black mammy, who was carrying two baskets. One of these seemed very heavy. "'What can be in mammy's basket, I wonder?' said Grace. "'And look, Sylvia, Flora isn't wearing the blue cockade. That's because she is coming to visit you. She had it on at school this morning.' Flora wore the same pretty velvet turban which she had worn on Sylvia's last day at school. She had on a cape of garnet-coloured velvet, and as she came running into the room, Sylvia looked at her with admiring eyes. "'You do look so pretty, Flora, and I am so glad to see you. Come upstairs to my room and take off your things.' "'It isn't half the fun going to school now that you don't come, Sylvia,' responded Flora, as the three friends went up the broad staircase together. Mammy, with her baskets, followed them, and when she had helped her little mistress lay aside her cape and hat, Flora said, "'You can go home now, Mammy, and my mother will tell you when to come after me.' "'Yes, Missy,' responded the old coloured woman, and with a curtsy to each of the little girls she left the room. "'What makes your Mammy look so sober, Flora?' questioned Grace. "'She is usually all smiles, but to-day she hasn't a word to say for herself.' "'Oh, the darkies are all stirred up over all this talk about their being set free.' Flora answered, and even Mammy, who was mother's nurse, and has always been well taken care of, thinks it would be a fine thing for her children and grandchildren to be just like white folks, and Flora laughed scornfully. "'But that needn't make her look sober,' insisted Grace. "'I reckon she's upset because my mother sold two or three little slaves yesterday, Mammy's grandchildren,' Flora answered carelessly. Sylvia could feel her face flushing, and she said over to herself that no matter what Flora said, that she, Sylvia, must remember that Flora was her guest. Beside that, had not Flora taken off the blue cockade, so that Sylvia would not be reminded of the trouble at school? But Grace felt no such restraints. She was a southern girl as well as Flora, but she was sorry for the old colored woman. "'Well, I do wish we could keep the pickaninnies until they grow up. It seems a shame when they feel so bad to be sold off to strangers. And some of them are abused, too,' she said." "'You talk as if they felt just the same as we do, and that's silly,' Flora declared. "'But Philip talks just the same. He says he is going to give Dinky her freedom.' And she turned toward the two baskets which Mammy had set down with such care near Molly and Polly. "'I brought my lace-work, and Mother has fixed a cushion for you, Sylvia, and one for Grace, too. See? The pattern is begun on each one, and I will give you both lessons until you know as much as I do.' As Flora talked, she had opened the smaller basket— and taken out two square boxes and handed one to each of her friends. "'Open them,' she said, nodding smilingly. The box which she handed to Sylvia was covered with pleated blue silk. It had a narrow edge of gilt braid around the cover. Grace's box was covered with yellow silk, but the boxes were of the same size. As Sylvia and Grace lifted the covers, they smiled and exclaimed happily. The lace cushion lay inside, and in dainty little pockets on each side of the boxes were the delicate threads and materials for the lace. A thimble of gold with Sylvia from Flora engraved around its rim was in Sylvia's box, and one exactly like it was in Grace's box. "'Oh, Flora Hayes, this is the most beautiful present that ever was,' declared Sylvia. And Grace, holding up the box with both hands, was hopping up and down, saying over and over, 
Flora, you are just like the golden princess in a fairy story who gives people what they want most. My mother made the boxes herself, Flora explained proudly. I wanted to give you girls something, and I'm awfully glad you like them. Then Flora stood up quickly. Girls? I dressed up in mother's hat and skirt that night at the plantation. It wasn't Lady Caroline. She spoke very rapidly as if she wished to finish as quickly as possible. It was not easy to think of Flora Hayes as being ashamed, but Sylvia felt quite sure that Flora felt sorry that she had attempted to deceive her friends. "'I knew it all the time,' said Grace slowly, "'and I told Sylvia it was you. Didn't I, Sylvia?' "'Yes,' said Sylvia, "'and we knew you were sure to tell us about it, Flora. But you did look just like the picture of Lady Caroline.' Flora sat down. It had been so much easier to confess than she had expected. Neither Grace nor Sylvia had seemed resentful or surprised.' "'You didn't tell me that you knew,' she said, a little accusingly. "'Oh, well, we couldn't do that, Flora. You see, we were your guests,' Grace explained. "'And we knew you were sure to tell us,' Sylvia added. Flora was silent for a moment. She was thinking that both her friends had been rather fine about the whole affair. They had not run screaming from their room on the appearance of the ghost, and alarmed the house, and so brought discovery and punishment and shame upon her. Neither had they resented her not confessing.' "'Well, I do think you two girls are the nicest girls in this town,' she declared, "'and I am mighty proud that you are my friends. I can tell you one thing, I'll never try to make anyone believe in ghosts again. I was half frightened to death myself when I crept up those stairs, and my shoulder has been lame ever since.' Grace and Sylvia had wondered what the large basket contained, but in their interest over Flora's beautiful gifts, and their delight in her owning up to being the ghost, they had quite forgotten about it. It was Flora who now pointed at it and said laughingly, "'I've brought my dolls in that basket.' "'Molly and Polly will be glad enough to have company,' Sylvia assured her. Flora opened the basket and took out a large black mammy in a purple dress, white apron, and a yellow handkerchief twisted turban fashion about her head. "'Mammy Jane always goes with the young ladies,' she explained laughingly, and took out two fine china dolls dressed in white muslin with broad crimson silk sashes. Each of these fine ladies had a tiny parasol of crimson silk.' "'I'm going home after my dolls,' exclaimed Grace, and while Sylvia brought cushions for these unexpected visitors and introduced them to Molly and Polly, Grace hurried home and was soon back again with her own treasured dolls, which she introduced as Mr. and Mrs. and Miss Delaney. The lesson in lace-making was quite forgotten as the three girls played with the array of dolls. Sylvia ran to the door and called Estralla, who appeared so quickly that Sylvia wondered where she could have been. Estralla was told that she must help Mammy Jane take care of the doll visitors, and the little negro's face beamed with pleasure. Not one of the little girls in the pleasant room was as happy as Estralla, and when supper was ready and Sylvia and her friends went downstairs, leaving Estralla in charge of all the dolls, she could hardly believe in her good fortune, and as usual was sure it was all due to her beloved Missy Sylvia. After supper the dolls were all invited downstairs to be introduced to Sylvia's father and mother and Estralla, smiling and delighted, was entrusted with bringing Mammy Jane. The three friends often looked back on that happy afternoon, for on the very next day Mr. Hayes decided to move his family to the plantation, and it was many days before Sylvia, Grace, and Flora were to be together again. The citizens of Charleston, in December 1860, were becoming anxious as to what might befall them. Very soon it might be possible that South Carolina would secede from the Union, and war with the northern states might follow. In such a case, the guns of Fort Sumter and Fort Moultrie might fire on Charleston, and many planters who had homes in Charleston were sending their families to their country homes. Northern men who had business in Charleston were also anxious, and Sylvia did not know that her own father was seriously considering a return to Boston. But the little girls bade each other good night with happy smiles and laughter, 
and without a thought but that they would have many more pleasant times together. Sylvia did not even think of the lace-making until she brought down her pretty box to show to her mother and father. "'The Charleston people have been so kind to us,' Mrs. Fulton said a little sadly. "'They are the most courteous and kindly people in the world,' declared Mr. Fulton. Sylvia went up to her room wondering why her father and mother seemed so serious when everything was so lovely. She had almost forgotten her adventure of the previous night, and went happily to bed with Flora's pretty gift on the light-stand beside her bed. End of chapter 13